Our world is built with stories. Sometimes these stories cause suffering by pulling us apart from ourselves and each other. The Liturgist Podcast helps people love more and suffer less by pulling apart the stories that pull us apart. Okay. Um, well, welcome to the podcast, Fred. I'm so excited to have Thank you. you here. I'm, I'm, I'm delighted to be here, and it's great to see you. Great to see you, too. Uh, let me just give everybody else a little bit of the backstory about how we know each other. Yeah. Um, so I I had had this friend who told me about Fred, and it was this non-dual spiritual teacher. And so I checked him out. I, I, I don't remember if I found your podcast or YouTube first, but something. And I was immediately struck by a lot of the things that he was saying in a certain kind of language that I had been, I just finished my book, this, and Fred was always talking about this. And it's a lot of the language was like some non-dual teachers you hear use a lot of Sanskrit, use a lot of like, yeah, you know, lang- religious jargon. And Fred was just very plain with his speech, like American South Carolina. <laughs> 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 Not a lot of fancy jargon, uh, but it just was, it was so to the point and beautiful. And uh, I had just had an experience where I was trying to talk to somebody about non-duality and uh, awareness and enlightenment. And and the way I was talking about it with them actually led them into a panic attack. <laughs> I was like, okay. Job. I was like, I think I better like figure out how to talk about this better. So, so that... <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe was, I may also... be missing something. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I wasn't a- accomplishing what I was setting out to do and talking to this guy about this. Um, but oh, I wanted to mention one other thing about a strange thing about why you stood out so much to me in particular. I had a example in my book about a guy named Fred. Yeah, doesn't have a like he he has this imaginary dog that he's having all these problems with. (laughs) Um, And then Fred has this example. It's Fred. And he's this example of this person who has an imaginary dog. And I'm like, what? And it was just too much. Yeah, yeah. So (laughs) it was too much stuff. Contacted him and uh, started learning from Fred about how to talk about some of these things with people. And uh, he's been an amazing guide and teacher and friend um in my life the last however long it's been now i don't know uh but so i'm so happy that you're on the podcast it's so cool to have you here it's it's, i'm i'm delighted to be here i really am i'm just i'm I'm delighted to talk to you is what it amounts to and if you want to record it that's fine (laughs) (laughs) um so maybe we could start with just a little your story your spiritual background and like what how in the world are you? Did you become this non-dual spiritual teacher? Can you just let's? Start yeah. How does that? You... How does that happen? I took a I took a wrong turn somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, well, just a, a a brief bit leading up to this is that um, I was a I was raised in a Christian home, um, and uh, when I became a teenager, I just rejected that, and uh, which I don't anymore in the sense that I understand, I understand the non-dual aspects of Jesus's teachings and all of that, but I didn't understand it then. 
And um, it was just it was just what my parents were doing, and therefore I didn't want to do it. Um, Did you reject I, it more based on on the ideas of it, or just you didn't want to follow? Just I didn't or... want to follow it. I, I really didn't. I, I didn't. I just didn't want to. I didn't want to do what my parents were doing. If they, if yeah. you know, if if they were eating chocolate ice cream, I would have wanted to eat vanilla, right? <laughs> Even if I liked chocolate better. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so I re- I just I rebelled against anything. I was kind of like Marlon Brando, you know. When in the Wild One, they say, uh, you know, the guy asked him, the police when they asked him, so what are you rebelling against? And Brando says, what do you got? <laughs> <laughs> and that's that was very much that could have been a Fredism as well. <laughs> and uh and I had no spiritual um path at all, never thought about spirituality, never gave it a second thought. Um but I was a, and and I became a practicing alcoholic at about twenty years old. And and um which I you know, my father had been alcoholic and uh I had no idea. I mean I I didn't start out al- drinking alcoholically, it just turned into that, which is understandable it's another form of seeking it's a it's i'm seeking more and and that's that's kind of the the disease of more and all seeking is really the disease of more and other um so the uh wound up getting in a lot of trouble staying in a lot of trouble in my 20s and i went to jail two or three times and um then I started hitting the asylums and uh, because uh, I needed, I just had blown myself out into basically into homelessness. And it was like, well, I'll just tell the asylum that I want to kill myself, which isn't actually inaccurate. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And maybe they'll take me in, you know, a mental hospital. And uh, so they took me in and uh, one time and I stayed there one part of one winter and then um, the next, uh, then, then I went out and screwed around for another year and I ended up back at the same asylum, uh, a year later, a friend of mine actually, uh, took me there and, uh, my best friends then and still. And, um, while I was staying in that mental hospital, I was doing drawing on the right side of your brain and I was drawing a picture upside down and a voice came in my head. It, it was, it, I mean, I know it was just in my head. It's not like I could hear it, it like it audibly, but I mean, it sounded just like you when you say hello. And it said, you should study Zen. Mm-hmm. Out, of the, out of nowhere came this, you should study Zen. And I didn't even, I had just the most basic, barely knew what Zen was because of the beat. This was like in the 80s or something? Uh, yeah, this would have been, this was 1983. Okay. I think 1983. And, um, there, so I decided when I got out of there, um, proudly displaying that I had a certificate declaring I was sane and not just there, nobody else did. So I just thought I was one up on you guys and, um, I could prove I was sane. <laughs> <laughs> I 
And so I came out of there and, and, and it took no time at all. I started, um, I started studying uh, Zen. And so I started reading Zen book, books on Zen. Mm-hmm. And I still couldn't figure out what the hell it was about. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, I, it's, it's just like this. What is it about? Uh, nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> they like tell you riddles and... That's right. Yes, that's it. I mean, that's what the kind of stuff that was available, and um, so I tried to, to see if there was anybody locally, and there wasn't. But there was a local Tibetan Buddhist center, and I went to study for them, and I, with them, and they taught me how to meditate properly, and um, that, and and they were very nice people, and I liked them a lot. But they were not, I mean, I'm just tell, telling you, they were dead set against me being the Dalai Lama. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you had no use for them anymore? No, so I had no use for that in the long run. <laughs> I mean, if, if, I'm, if I'm not going to be the leader, I mean, why play? And then to make a long story short, fast forward um, uh, a a few years, and I'm now living in, after bouts with alcoholism and losing everything I had and all this kind of thing, which which was actually a pattern for me, and um, to lose everything. I seem to be very good at losing everything, because I wasn't really losing it, I was giving it up, right? Mm -hmm. I would just, just say, you know what? I wonder what's happening out on that highway. And then we'll just walk out of my apartment. Just boom. That would be mm-hmm. it. And get on the highway. I hitchhike for several months, come back. Got wow. So um, I ended up living in Portland, Oregon, and I went to the Zen center there and uh, they were nice people. I liked them very much. They were very kind and, and, uh, but they were not going to let me be the Zen master. So I blew out of there in no time. <laughs> And I thought, you know what? Maybe you're just not a joiner. And I started studying. (laughs) So I just started studying Buddhism on my own, as I had already started before. So, and I studied Buddhism for uh, for over twenty years, and for twenty years, I studied uh, Buddhism and uh, pretty. I mean. I was a practicing alcoholic the whole time. So we have to understand that getting clear means something different for a drunk. (laughs) And basically I was hoping that the Zen would be a cure for my alcoholism, but it wasn't. What happened is during, but during the winter of the, my first winter of really going into Zen very deeply, in other words, lots and lots of practice and lots and lots of sitting and lots of reading and really getting into it. And I stumbled across something that said all this, uh, I was working on a Cohen. I didn't have a, a master. I just thought I'd work on it myself. And the Cohen was, show me your original face, the face mm-hmm. that you had before your mother and father were born. And of course that makes no sense and didn't make any sense to me at all. But I still kept asking it and going after it and after it. And then in a Buddhist magazine, I ran across it, something, and it was beautiful. And there was a thing in there that said, you know, asking who you are is about the same thing as asking about 
the the your mother's uh, show me your mother and father's face or show me your original face and so i thought well that just kind of makes sense i did not realize that the proper way to do non-dual inquiry is to go uh so who you know, this is the way i saw it at the time who am i and then what you're actually after because is you get the you get the answer right the first time, which is I don't know, <laughs> but you don't think you got the right answer. So, <laughs> you know that can't be it, and and so you then go out and seek for twenty or thirty or forty years until, until you find until you find out that it led to, that it was all a bunch of nonsense. And, <laughs> and, and then usually what you do is die. But if you don't, if you live long enough and you're lucky enough, maybe you'll wake up, maybe you'll experience in, in enlightenment, at which point you still see that everything was a waste of time. <laughs> but it all makes sense, right? I mean, it kind of makes sense in the sense of you can see that there's only this, as you say, that, uh, there's only this and there's no, and the funny thing about this, the funny thing about what is, is that if we just look at what is right now and what is, is for everybody listening to this, it's whatever is for you right now. If you're in your living room, it's your living room, it's your front yard it's your it's and it's that would include your country your earth the the planet what is is everything but the funny thing about everything is that it doesn't seem to be enough (laughs) (laughs) this is that disease of more right so the disease of more comes in and um the we at any rate the the path of inquiry is I moved on through uh until there was an awakening a brief awakening in nineteen ninety two and i i I saw the truth and I knew that I had woken up I know wow this is what so this is what it is wow, I would never saw this coming <laughs> and, what, and how because, did that, what was that experience like so well that experience that? with there is I was um it's pretty weird because I was doing a lot of sitting and I was sitting in my basement and I for the first last and only time which and because it's just a it's just a really a thought but from but my thinking was open to that I guess and it's I thought that I saw a past life and um and I was sad to see that I was not some wise oriental you know, I was a cowboy in the desert, <laughs> right, right? <laughs> around a fire. This is just not what I had in mind. You were and, the Dalai Lama, huh? Yeah, right, right. No Dalai Lama. That's it. I mean, I thought I came from a lineage of Dalai Lamas and Zen Masters <laughs> and all that. And instead, I came from a bunch of redneck cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> You know, but that redneck thing, that and that whole thing, it, it lasted. When I first started teaching, the first video I ever cut, and when I, when I listened to it, I was so shocked and disappointed because I thought I was going to hear Eckhart Tolle. 
with this beautiful English accent and this and this this this, 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 this beautiful baritone that sounded like velvet. And you know, instead, I got hi yo. <laughs> So, <laughs> so I was very disappointing. Once again, Fred had let me down. But the good news is now Fred really doesn't let me down much because what I found out, it found out is if you want to be happy, lower your standards. <laughs> now I just don't expect anything out of Fred, right? And, and <laughs> It's yeah. so much, it's just so much easier than constantly trying to, because what we do is we set, we set, um, uh, goals for ourselves. We set, um, points of where this is, where this is where I should be. And this is where I should, we should get. And then next I should get there. And yeah. standards we, and first we set goals and then we fail to, to meet them. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. we get to feel crummy about ourselves. So, I just short circuited all that, right? And so I had this awakening in '92. It was very quickly overtaken by ego, because the funny thing about an awakening was I came to see Michael. I came to see that I was nothing, but that nothing, that or I was no thing, but that no thing was. It was. I mean, I I came to realize God, if you will, mm-hmm. and. But, and I came to see that I was no, there was no Fred mm-hmm. and there was no, there was just, there was just the, there was just one thing going on and it was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. the, but the problem was, is that five minutes after I came to see that I was nothing, um, then ego co-opted that awakening and went and said, boy, you've had an awakening, Fred. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And this is, this is, now that you, and now that you have seen that you are nothing, this really makes you something. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Right? It's, mm-hmm. so it just, I just got a swollen head. And I immediately, speaking of the swollen head, I immediately shaved my head. Because you couldn't see that I was now the cool guy who had had the enlightenment experience. So I figured if I shaved my head, it might draw a little more attention to it. <laughs> Put on some robes or something, some beads. Yeah, right. I started dressing all in black and shaved my head. It was, uh, you know, it's, it's just so humorous because I see people doing this all the time now. I mean, this very same kind of behavior. And um, which is, it's just pretty part of, part of the, the, the journey is just part of yeah. the, it. Nothing wrong with it. Nothing is just, that's how they things get a, happen. They get a spiritual name like Vishnu or something like that. Uh, the, um, well, I was, I did have a, I did have a name. It was called, I was called Bodhi Sanyasi. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so, and, and Bodhi Sanyasi was a, was a holy figure. And um, who just wanted was hoping that he could parlay this spiritual experience into getting some girls, <laughs> because that was <laughs> uh, 
And uh, I was modestly successful with that. <laughs> um, you know, like, to go to Bali or anything like that? No, no, no. I didn't need I, I, uh, I didn't, No, I expected everybody to come to me. And, yeah. Right? Because we now we had a new Mecca of Portland. And mm-hmm. I just figured my, my flock would figure out that I was in Portland. <laughs> yeah. And everybody would start making the journey. And, um, but they didn't. And, uh, so I was studying, uh, went back to studying Buddhism and, uh, and went back to, cause now my thing was that I had, I had had a genuine, an authentic enlightenment experience. I know that because there's been others since, but there, there was no other one for 14 years mm-hmm. I woke up in first time in 1992 and then I had the big awakening in 2006 so 14 years in between where I knew that I knew something that nobody knew mm-hmm. I just couldn't remember what it was that I knew. <laughs> <laughs> but I knew it set me apart and yeah. um, you know and I, 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 I wanted to parlay that into something but really I, in the end it, I did not um, then some years later just jump a bit and I, I get sober through uh, the 12 step program and um which was which saved my life also saved my wife's life she was a drug addict and alcoholic and and she looks like a school teacher now as you know and she would mm-hmm. you would never ever ever in the world guess that she used to be who what she was mm-hmm. and, and it's pretty difficult to imagine me reeling around <laughs> to do but but mm-hmm. i did um i got sober and when I got sober, I, I was so afraid that I would mess it up because they had this AA had this simple little uh, spirituality, which was not. And I was so afraid that I would mess it up and not get sober, that I, because I'd always messed things up and gotten drunk again. So this time I thought, said for, for a solid year, I am not going to try to fix their spirituality. Hmm. I'm going to actually listen to them instead of getting them to listen to me. And uh, so for a year, I wouldn't touch Zen or anything else. But boy, when I hit a year, then I went ahead. I jumped right back. I mean, the first thing I did was jump right back into Zen. And I started studying it very, very closely. Um, but I couldn't get back to where I was. I couldn't get back to that, that 1992 thing. And I thought that that was enlightenment. And that I had had enlightenment it felt to me like Fred had had something very special, something happened very special to Fred. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, who knows, I held my mouth wrong or I stepped on a crack in the sidewalk, whatever it was, but I lost it. Yeah. So I had it, I lost it, and now it was Fred's job to get it back. Mm-hmm. And, which is, as you know, that's a, that that's textbook you're not going to get there from here. Right. Yeah. And, but, but I couldn't remember that. I just couldn't remember what had happened because you can't remember actual 
awakening because three pounds of goo that you've got in your head <laughs> cannot contain that, right? Mm -hmm. That the, the, this little limited brain can't possibly contain the infinite. <clears throat> so I would never could come to understand it still. And I'm proud to, to tell you that I still don't understand this. Mm -hmm. People ask me all the time, Fred, could you explain this to me? And I said, how am I going to explain what I don't understand? <laughs> mm -hmm. But I can point him toward the truth. Mm -hmm. That's quite different. And uh, then, then, then telling somebody about something. Mm -hmm. I can take him to the truth. I can take him to the truth with awakening sessions. That, that's what actually, I mean, whatever little bit of fame I have in the non-dual community, I mean, fame and non-dual are sort of like, you know, <laughs> right. It's like I, you know, when I talk about my best-selling non-dual books, the the the, the non-dual cancels out the best-selling. <laughs> if you're not non-duality and realize that that's a book that sold thousands of copies versus a book that sold six to my my mother, my cousin. <laughs> To the other non-dual teachers. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. <laughs> and um, so I, and then one day I was reading something and, and I realized that I wasn't really Buddhist anymore. That the, the AA had had enough influence that it felt like, it, it, it felt like there was something. That's all I could say is it just felt like there was something. I, I can't really say much more than that now, but the, except for that I'm it. Mm -hmm. And that's quite a big job. Mm -hmm. But, uh, where am I? So, so I, I had the, okay. So when I, what happened was I ran across the word, the, 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 the phrase Advaita Vedanta. And they were talking like just exactly right. I mean, that was my language. Mm -hmm. I heard it and it was like coming home. I started out with Eckhart Tolle and the power of now did not understand him. Didn't try to understand it. Just tried. I did the first time, but the second time I read that book when I got in more trouble and I came to it for solace. Mm -hmm. um, I really put my, my attention on it, which was, which is key. So we, you know, you, what, whatever, you, whatever you focus your attention on will expand in your experience. And mm -hmm. I put myself, my, my attention almost completely on non-duality. I mean, mm -hmm. I was just, I was listening to videos and things like 12, 16 hours a day. Wow. I had, I, I had, Eckhart's The Power of Now running in my living room 24-7. Wow. So if I went down the steps, I could hear it. And at the top... But not getting it. You're but, listening. Oh, I was starting to get it. I was starting, starting to, to okay, get okay, it. Okay. I was, you could feel the, the movement. And, the, yeah. and I was starting to get it. And I had... Um, but the other thing, see, but I had, I had gotten in uh, trouble again, but not for anything I'd done lightly, but I made some amends through AA. And I got in some trouble over one of those men's. And um, so I went to jail again. And when I did, uh, my head just went crazy because here I've been trying to do the right thing for several years now. 
and all of a sudden I'm paying for something from 40 years ago. So it was hard for me to get my head around. It was terrific suffering. And the first time I ever heard Eckhart's voice, I realized, wow, listen to that. So that guy is not having anything like my experience <laughs> because my brain is going crazy with this and was already crazy, but it was now going more crazy. And I thought, well, you could, you're going to listen to a brain. You know you are. So you can listen to his brain or you can listen to yours. And I decided I would listen to his and just completely overwrite mine was the objective. And I pretty much did that. Um, because like I said, I had uh, the power of now playing 24 seven in my living room. I had other Eckhart CDs in my car and I did a lot of traveling to, to acquire books. I was a bookseller online and, um, and I also had where my computer was and I was up there packing books all day, uh, to send out. I had another Eckhart on, you know, I had something I downloaded from, from, the internet or whatever. So, or maybe another CD set. So I had Eckhart everywhere mm -hmm. and he was, and really if you listen to an hour of Eckhart, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> you can get a whole Eckhart teaching in just, in just one city, mm -hmm. no problem. But you don't understand what the teaching, you don't get the ramifications. You don't really get it. But you can, but you intellectually, you get it. So what I'm telling you is, is that this was, because it was six months probably of 12 to 18 hours a day. And it was the same thing being said over and over and over again, mm -hmm. a slightly different way. And of course, now the interesting thing is I find myself with such a teaching. Mm -hmm. <laughs> then I've got one thing to sell and I package it, package it as many ways as I can uh, in order to get the teaching out there. You know, the, a podcast, YouTube channel. I got another YouTube channel starting up soon. I got, um, you know, and I've got the website and I've got a podcast and blah, 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 right? And um, so I just kind of redid what Eckhart was doing, except for the fact I didn't leave my house. I didn't go out and carry this message. I carried this message as far as my living room. And that's about as far as I kept, took it for a long time because I didn't, I mean, I had no, I knew I'd been a fraud all my life. I'd been living as an, as an alcoholic trying to get you to believe I was living as something other than an alcoholic. And that's just a life of fraud. So there was a sense that, well, I may, might, I think maybe I'm a non-dual fraud. Hmm. At any rate, at some point, I got into the Advaita Vedanta thing very, very heavily. And uh, then in 2006, I had just gone in through incredibly painful circumstances. I was just absolutely miserable. I wanted, I really wanted to commit suicide, but I, I, but I couldn't hurt my then girlfriend, now wife like that. I loved her more than I hated my life. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't kill myself. But I came to a point where I didn't, where it was just, uh, I got angry. My surrender, so to speak, was out of anger. It wasn't out of, it wasn't angels and light for me. It wasn't butterflies and stuff. It was, screw it. 
Yeah. Right. Do what you want to. And I'm talking about, and, and now this is a conversation. I'm not even recognizing that basically what I'm trying to do is I'm talking to God mm-hmm. and I'm talking to God about this unit. See, mm-hmm. now if I'm talking to God about this unit, where am I? So that, but that didn't occur to me at the time. It's so I can't be the God. I can't <laughs> be the unit. Unless I'm both. But and I said, screw it, do whatever you want to with it. Kill it, fine. The, uh, I get to die guilt-free. <laughs> you know, kill it, um, torture it, put it in prison, do whatever you want. I don't care. I just, mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm no longer interested in this story at all. Mm-hmm. And um, the following morning, I didn't recognize that it surrendered at all, just anger. And um, the next morning, I was reading a non-dual book as I was coming down my steps, which I, you know, don't how I didn't kill myself. But I used to read everything I was doing. I was a book in front of me. And it asked a question. The, the teacher in that book, which was Ramesh Balsakar's Pointers from Nizagadatta, was the book. And in that book, the, the Nizagadatta I'm talking about Nisargadatta Maharaj, who was a great Indian spiritual teacher, one of generally recognized as one of the two foremost figures in Indian Advaita for the for the twentieth century. And he is my forefather, although he died not knowing that. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a forefather he's my forefather father from my view, but not from his. And um <laughs> So the question that Ramesh asked, he said, when everything else is gone, what's left? And I just stopped what I was doing. I stopped and I sat down on the stairs. And and all of a sudden, it was just, I started actually doing that. How do you do that? When everything else is gone, it was like, okay, so take away the, take away the body, take away the house, take away the car, take away the books. Uh, take away the history, take away this, that, the other. And um, I got up again, moved to my chair in the living room, and then sat down and something, it felt like, Michael, it felt like something like a BB, a little tiny round ball. And and I've never heard anybody else talking about this. So it's not like, it's not copycat. There was a little round ball that turned 180 degrees on the very top of my head, I can, I'm not a chakra guy, but I, it would be called a crown chakra. Mm-hmm. And it turned and it, it, it unlocked. It didn't lock. It unlocked like with a click that I could hear and I could feel that movement. And the instant it clicked, my head exploded. Mm-hmm. And I had a big, big storybook mm-hmm. non-dual awakening where I, you know, I don't even remember the first few hours. It was just, mm-hmm. there was this, I don't even know if I remember anything about the first day. Uh, I can remember sitting in my living room, but I think that was the next day that I was doing that. So there was just, in other words, there was a seeing that there was no Fred. That's what a non-dual awakening is, is coming to know who you truly are. And who I truly am 
Is there just one thing going on here? That's what the mystics of all traditions, they go out and they have a spiritual experience. They come back to us and report it, blah, 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 blah. But after you get through with it, what they have just told you is there's just one thing going on. Oneness is their message. And oneness doesn't mean oneness plus Fred. (laughs) Oneness, there's no oneness plus yeah, it's not I'm part of oneness. Like, it's not I'm in oneness. I'm part of it. And I say, well, which part are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there was this terrific experience. It lasted for, for well, it, it, well, it lasted for, I don't know, several weeks. But in, in ever slowing or ever, ever uh, waning, electricity the clarity that i had at the beginning i began to see that uh you know in other words i began to to pay attention to thought again that big explosion of non-duality was just was i ceased to believe really in anything i just it was just there was just everything was blown and i had no thought i didn't have words for this and everybody can try this at home right now is if you just if you just zip your mouth and pretend that you have never had any access to language whatsoever, you were just born with your mouth zipped and, and look around me and, and, and you and you, you're, you can't hear, I mean, you, you can't hear what a, you can't have been, you hadn't been taught. And then just look around and tell me in the absence of language, what do you find? And the, in the absence of language, what I found was the inexplicable, mm-hmm. the infinite, the eternal, mm-hmm. the, the magnificent. Uh, and, and, and I came to see, strangely enough, that, well, I thought at that time that I was that oneness. Now I see that I'm something prior even to consciousness. But... It's oneness is close enough, hmm. but, but <clears throat> I came to see that I was this magnificent oneness, and that that's where I mean that's there was no longer any identity with a Fred Davis or a body, right, or any of that. <clears throat> so, and and my but but the identification came back. I like to say that enlightenment is like you have a big metal bar on your chest. And when, when enlightenment comes, that just explodes. Mm -hmm. And when, and after that explodes, then um, the first thing that happens is that there rises from the body, a giant magnet. And the first thing it does is start pulling all those iron filings that just blew up right back to settle in. And the ego is rebuilt. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> so enlightenment is not a one-time thing. Mm-hmm. Enlightenment is a this-time thing. Yeah. And uh, we, are in, we are awake to this moment or we are not. And there's no one here <clears throat> who is, as you know, who is permanently enlightened because there's nothing permanent here to be enlightened. Yeah. Yeah. There is enlightenment but it doesn't belong to anybody. Yeah. It's not my enlightenment. It is just there's enlightenment. Yeah. 
Mm. And, uh, because in the absence of a Fred, all I can find here is a sort of awareness, right? I find what I call awakeness usually. I like to use awakeness rather than awareness because in non-duality, we have beat the awareness thing to death. And the mm. minute you say awareness, everybody's got a pretty good idea what you're talking about. Mm. But when you say awakeness, they go, huh? And that's what you want is that huh? Because that mm. non-dual, it's just like non-dual inquiry. You're not going for an answer. You're going for the pause that happens when it's seen that there that there is no answer, and the mm. mind stops. It just that's mm. all you're trying to do: is stop the mind. Because in, when when you stop the mind, then you then then awakeness has got a decent shot of working its way into your life. <laughs> But it can't do it. I was so egotistical. So, and there's still arrogance here. There's plenty of arrogance here. You know that. And there's plenty of ego here. But I don't take them seriously. And 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 if you do, that's your problem. That's not my problem. <laughs> right? I mean, I'm not. I'm not expecting any more out of Fred than I'm getting. <laughs> and if you are. That, that's you need to reset your need to reset your expectations. I can't live up, up to them and won't try. Um, from there, just to, just going as quickly as I can, while maintaining some coherence, is that uh, I really did a lot of inquiry over the next few years. Over the next. Uh, Next four years, I did tremendous um, inquiry, and I wanted to be a non-dual teacher more than anything on earth. And By inquiry, people that aren't familiar with that as a practice, it's basically inquiry would go the the way that I do it. it, it the, the classic way is who am I, and then you just and then you but you let that question just sit because there's no answer or the answer comes I don't know, but when the answer comes I don't know. Then you can ask, well, who is it who doesn't, that doesn't know, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> mm -hmm. And you just keep following that trail and, until the mind is stopped and, and something happens. Mm -hmm. And I just have an ability, basically, and it's done through, uh, what I do is done through a series of tricks. <laughs> I just basically go around and I trick myself. There's only one thing going on. I can't, like, I, I can't talk to mm -hmm. anybody but myself ever. I'm talking mm -hmm. to myself right now. I'm operating through a Michael unit, but that's just a Michael uh, virtual helmet that I've got mm -hmm. on. So I'm mm -hmm. having a, 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 a Michael experience. I awakeness am, a, this isn't Fred and Michael's dream. Fred and Michael are the dream. Yeah. So, <clears throat> and if you, you're, if you don't get that, don't worry. It may take some time. <laughs> so, When in 2010, I went to go see, went to an Ajashanti who's a well known spiritual non dual teacher, and I went to an event of his. It's the only non dual event I've ever gone to where I wasn't the speaker. And I went there and I had a, an intensive, spent four hours with 200 or 300 other people in listening to him and being in his presence and all of this. And I left there going, nope, that's not for me. After all, I don't want to be a teacher. I thought, mm -hmm. and, you know, I always wanted to be a teacher, but I think after viewing this, you know, I had a good time and all that, but I had no desire to be that guy on the stage. Mm -hmm. 
So after I decided I would not want to be a non-dual teacher, I drove home and about 30 days later, the first guy woke up talking to me. And I, and he had never heard the word non-duality. So he wasn't a non-dual guy. He was washed in the blood. But he trusted me. <laughs> and I'm sh- I don't know that he'd ever heard the name, or the word enlightenment. But we were, but I was just trying something out. He trusted me. I was, had been his sponsor year, years before in recovery, but I had finally fired him. So, uh, and I was no longer his sponsor, but he was my friend. And we were just, I started just basically doing, I, I couldn't see it really, but it was, I started doing inquiry with him. And, um, and bam, his head exploded. And he woke up. This is like a, this is like a, a, a 320 pound guy, six, eight or something. I mean, he's just, he's just a mountain of a man. And I had a little tiny living room, a little tiny apartment. And he just started laughing. And so did I, and we about blew the roof off that place mm-hmm. because I don't know who was more surprised me or him. And, uh, cause he didn't even yeah. know about this. Didn't know, no idea about this. He wasn't trying to get it. Um, and I had no clue whatsoever that I that I could help anybody wake up. I mean, that was all for that was for those guys. Right? Yeah. That was for the other people that were born under a cabbage on a full moon. So I want to, in this context of this podcast, there's a lot of listeners who came from Christian backgrounds and it's an interesting, like it's kind of a, there's a lot of people who have gone more progressive with their ideas. You know, maybe they're reading the Bible more metaphorically. Maybe they've, they've accepted that LGBTQ people are not sinners. Maybe they've deconstructed their views of hell or, um, or, or a lot of, you know, dogmatic things. But then what I've noticed in a lot of progressive Christian circles is at some point you, you start, you start deconstructing, taking away, taking away. And then what's left at some point becomes kind of like a, a morality, a new moralism. And it's kind of like a lot of the stuff that Jesus would talk about is, is kind of like, why, what is it? And you know, what's happening so, is when you're, I would imagine because if that's what happens with my and I work with Christians, I work with mm-hmm. I work with Buddhists and Hindus. I have I have woken up as Zen, Zen teachers and lamas from India, from Tibet, and everything in between. Um, what happens is that when you become open. That that immediately just that sense of openness, like I'm going to question this. I'm not just going to say yes, I get it, I believe too. I'm just going to say, well, let me look and see what it is that I really believe and why it is that I believe it. With that openness, that's the that creates enough space, so to speak. Just imagine um, the body as a teapot, and that that openness pours some tea out of the pot. So now there's room for some more tea 
but or we could consider it to be a cup. That's the better way to put it. Is you've been a full cup. No, you can't get past that because you've already know everything. You've already believed it, and, and I can't win from there. So I don't play. When you begin to get open, that creates a space for something else to happen. You, you know, it's just like I've got a ball here in my hand and I'm covering it up with a napkin and then I got another napkin, not a napkin, a Kleenex. And I've got, so I've got all these Kleenex now on top of this ball. And this ball is, is the, uh, the, is the truth. It's the truth of you. It's not just a vague truth. It's the truth of you. And when I, as I, as I began to take these Kleenex off, we, I can see now, now there's fewer Kleenexes. I can see, uh, guess a little bit better about the shape of what might be underneath. But when I get to the last Kleenex and I pull it out, pull it off, I don't have to do anything. The truth is already there. The ball is in my hand. The truth was there all along. It was just veiled. So one of my books is called The Book of Unveiling for, that exactly, for exactly that reason, is yeah. that we start taking away the, the conditioning, the assumptions that I've got it, I, that I am right, that I am the, that man is the measure of all things and that, uh, and I am the, the, and I'm the measure of man and I am right. There's all of that in there. Yeah. So you're just deconstructing something. It's not, it's not yeah. constructing something. Yeah, but what I was what I've noticed sometimes is there's an interesting sort of at a certain layer of the napkins are being pulled away. You kind of almost wonder why are we pulling napkins away, right? Because there's a at the beginning that we a lot of us started with this. You got to be okay. You got to be saved. You have to. We're looking for salvation. We're looking for the thing. And then we saw all the ways that that went awry and all the ways that that became us versus them. And people were raised up on platforms that thought they were better than other people. And we saw all the ways that that was destructive. Right. And then, but then at some point we're like still kind of playing the, the Christian card or saying we're in the camp or whatever, but we're kind of like, what is salvation? What are we even doing here? Like, what are we about? Like, what, are we, what, what, am, what are we doing here? What, what is this about? Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, to keep going, that last, it seems to me that that last napkin is yourself, is like, who are you? That's that last. Yes. That's the last thing. That you that's the last do. thing. And you just, and then the, the, who you are is right there. And the first thing you notice is that there were never any napkins or Kleenex. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. But there was a thought of a napkin. There was many, there were many thoughts and we had to see that those thoughts were not true. And the more thoughts, thoughts that you see that are not true and I can't find a thought that's true. The, yeah. so you, as you come to see uh, that, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> This concept of that something needs to be done gets lost. I mean, this, I'm kind of unveiling my my nefarious plans with even how we're framing this season of pulling apart 
the stories that pull us apart because it's kind of the, the practice of pulling off the napkins, of beginning to surrender our veils of illusion to the moment as we begin to like, oh, it's like this letting go of something. And that kind of process of letting go begins to unfold um, until until there's nothing left to unfold but this moment. And it is what it is. Um, but that that idea of enlightenment or salvation because I think so many of us have come from a place where the ideas like that have been used destructively, it's kind of left even as a concept for a lot of people, which part of that's kind of cool, I guess, because then you, great. Have you pulled apart that napkin already? Uh, but inviting people, how do you, I don't know. I'm just wondering if you have any thoughts about as an that. old car salesman. The way that I see it is that the salvation at the end of the deal or the enlightenment at the end of the deal is just comeback bait for a fraudulent teacher. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which is, you know, well, you're you're on the way, you're on the path, and I think you're going to get there, but you'll know. (laughs) But keep those checks coming. And it's, see, there's a lot more money to be made in adding something to somebody than there is in subtracting. Mm. Like if people go to a self-esteem class, they're going to get at it and find out just how small yeah, yeah. they really are. Yeah, but they yeah. come to my class, they find out they don't exist. <laughs> and there's a bigger, there's a bigger audience for riches and fame than there is for mine, which is my invitation. Very simple. Come die with me. Yeah. <laughs> there's not people understanding that line for that, but, yeah. but around the world, I mean, I had thousands of, of followers so actually there are a lot of people in terms of numbers it's just the percentages are abysmal <laughs> but the experience that you're pointing to is is such a beautiful experience and like i said like when you see somebody's eyes light up i've been in sessions that i've done with people where just you can it it's like, I don't even know how to describe it. There's, it's like a film comes off the eyes or something. Yes. Like there's this yes. layer of That's suffering. the reason we call it waking up yeah. because it really, it, there's, it, there is no awakening, but we, there is what there isn't. You can't see that there wasn't any awakening until after you've already woken up. That I know that sounds like yeah. mm-hmm. gobbledygook, but it's not, as you know. So the, 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 what were, what were we talking about? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of asking a very obscured question because I don't, I guess what I'm getting at is trying to point to that, which doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but, but because there's a, there is a love, there's a compassion behind the pointing. It's pointing at yeah, pointing to something. There, there, there is a pointing to something. It's noticing that the tool doesn't really exist, which is the mm. body. Of the, the human being, the Fred character, there is a there is a if we have a but awakeness exists. Yeah, let's pretend yeah. that this is Hurricane Fred, and it just you know, and you can see Hurricane Fred is composed of all these sympathetic bands of um, weather, like big thunder and lightning and wind and uh, and flood and and all this kind of stuff and lightning and um, these and they work cooperatively. And when you look at it, we give them names. We call them, we call them Fred. We call them Michael. These hur- hurricanes that come up. I'm in South Carolina. We see them. 
And the, there, the sense is that there's really something in there. That something right static. in the middle of that hurricane. Yeah. That's the essence of the hurricane. That's where the mm-hmm. truest, that's where the hard candy center of Me. the hurricane <laughs> is, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and instead, there, it, it's, it's just, just the opposite. When you take a, when the weather surface flies through a hurricane, once they hit the center, once they hit the eye, what they hit is an absence of hurricane. Mm. They hit an absence of storm. They don't find a presence. They find an absence of storm. Mm. And we as individuals are very much like that. There is no Fred, but there's Fred Ness. It's all over the place. Yeah. It's you're, you're talking to, (laughs) you're talking to Fred Ness. I'm talking to Michael Ness. There's no Michael, but there's Michael Ness. There is those, there are those patterns, but those patterns are not being guided by something in the center. That's yes. because I noticed that, that that center, when we look at it from the standpoint of individuals, what I noticed is I was always in center, center of things. Actually, I was always the center of the universe and not just figuratively, but literally, if I looked down, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> look, look at this. I'm right in the middle. And, uh, <laughs> and everywhere I went, you. every view it's, I yeah. took, I was in the middle. So clearly yeah. it was all about me. And it is all about me, but not that me. <laughs> mm. It is all about whatever it is that I am. Because the truth is, is the reason you can't talk about it is that what we're talking about is actually prior to language. And it's, you, you cannot, and, and language cannot explain that which is prior to it. Mm. It is prior to thought. You can't think about that which is prior to thought. It is prior to experience. You cannot experience what, you, what is prior to experience. That's what we want to do. And so we're trying to grab something. But, the, but, but the, the very act of trying to grab something is actually the act of pushing it away. Mm. Because... I'm thinking that I'm going to add something to a Fred, but there's no Fred here. There's just Fredness. And as I add more and more Fredness, I just get more and more impressed with myself or disgusted with myself because damn it, I should be, able, should be clearer than this. I should be able to get rid of all this stuff, right? I should mm-hmm. be able to, 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 to uh, I should be able to, to, uh, I should be more awake than I am. I should be more spiritually than advanced than I am. Well, who told you that? I just made it up. <laughs> right? That's yeah. it. Is we construct these these points that we have to hit. I can't think of the word that I'm really going for, but we think we're going to have levels or something, and and we construct those, and then we fail to hit them. We, because we don't need to hit them. We're already at the top. We're at the top looking down. We're already in heaven and we're knocking from the inside. Yeah. <laughs> we're knocking on the door. Let me yeah. in. Let me in. Yeah. Please let me in. Because I'm not I'm because I'm not home. But you are home. This that you are already home. And the it would a seeker seeking it's true nature is just it is just true nature seeking true nature and which as long as you're seeking it you can't find it 
I love I love that image, and I think of the image when Jesus talked about standing at the heart and door and knocking. I love that reversed from the inside knocking. Yeah, that's it. Because <laughs> that's, that, that's the truth on it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And, and so that that we're just begging to get in, but we're all well, all we can do is you can't seek. Like it's just like me trying to seek and asking you because you're the great you're the great teacher of these things. And Michael, how do I get to the the chair in my <laughs> studio? <laughs> and you would have to answer, well, Fred, the truth is you're already in the chair in your studio. And yeah. I would come back and say, yeah, I understand that intellectually. <laughs> it's just not my experience, experience that I'm in my chair in my studio even though I'm speaking to you from the chair in my studio. Yeah, it is just, it is that crazy. So yeah. this, these teaching, the, the, you can't, they're, they're not conventional. Yeah. But they're, you know, but they're not, they're not evil. They're not putting anybody down. You can go be any religion you want. I don't care. I've helped people. And then they go back to their own religions but they now have an understanding of what the founders of their religion yes. were talking about it before the clerks got it. Yes. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And it's the simplest thing in the world. It is. It's, it's the simplest thing in the world when it is, but it's not until it is. And there, there's, you, 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 when I first woke up, it was so simple, so easy that I thought, man, how is it that everybody doesn't wake up? And now that I have been awake for 14 years and I have dealt with hundreds of thousands of students, the, my amazement is just the opposite now. I can't believe anybody wakes up. Even though I wake people up every week, there is still, if, I, if, if Fred thought he had to get out of bed and wake somebody up, I wouldn't get out of bed because I wouldn't have no idea how that happens. Fortunately, mm -hmm. my position here is to get this body to the computer. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then I vacate and something happens. Something happens. But it's not, it's not my doing. I didn't, and it, just so we're very, very clear, I did not earn this. I do not, it's not a matter of my deserving this. It is, uh, you know, it, it's what I think we could call grace on the one hand, or if we were not very spiritually minded, we could just call it love. Mm. And the, 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 because the world is, God is not fair, so to speak, or the world is not fair. Thank goodness. Because if it was, I'd be living, in, or I'd be dead in a park somewhere, or under a bridge. I, what happened is, I am pretty sure about this, Michael. I don't know the details, but there was an afternoon when God and Saint Peter were talking to each other, and God looked in that. I was living in the park in Portland, homeless, penniless, friendless, hopeless, helpless, all of it. And, uh, and they looked down into the park and they saw me and God looked at St. Peter and said, you know, I could even make a spiritual teacher out of that if I wanted to. 
And, and St. Peter said, no way. And God said, yeah, I could. And St. Peter said, bet. And so they bet. And then God was not so happy with his bet. And so he's gonna say, what, he, what he could see was that he had a really had his hands full. And he thought, you know, the only way I'm going to be able to wipe this unit up and keep it away is to have people is to have people come to him and wake him up several times a day. Mm-hmm. So I figured out, so as a spiritual teacher, I had figured out how to get people to pay me to come and clear me up three or four times a day. <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great scam. You know, don't, don't tell anybody. <laughs> it, is, it is what the Zen teachers used to say. It's selling water by the river. To the river. <laughs> to the river. That's it. Yes. Yes. But, uh, but the amazing thing is, is that people find a lot of value in it. Well, I was in Satsang yesterday, and one of my students, he'd been with me many years, and just and um, he woke up years ago, and is and as clear as a bell. And uh, he, I did not even know it until yesterday, after all these years, that he was suicidal before he met me. Mm-hmm. And that, and and he is filled with gratitude, and that Michael is the touchstone of all of this. There is a gratitude. That's what I love in you is that we get together, we look at each other, we start laughing. Mm-hmm. That's just because it's just funny. To, 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 <laughs> yep, it is funny. It's just funny, <laughs> and it's, and 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 there is a and there is a lightness that comes from. A, from a, the wellspring of gratitude, which is that that the, the 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 foundation of awakening is that wellspring of gratitude, and if you're not grateful, you 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 can you can be resentful or you can be free, but you can't be both at the same time. So mm-hmm. I think you can be right or you can be free, but you can't be both at the same time. So if you can get over needing to be right. Yeah, and, 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 and needing to be the one who knows and all of that. Because I'm I'm just I'm no wiser than Socrates. I mean, I have no I, Socrates was the man who d- declared he knew nothing. I declared that same thing. I know nothing. Thank goodness. And I'm hoping I don't pick anything up during this interview. <laughs> <laughs> And I hope the audience doesn't either. <laughs> yeah. My another book is the book of unknowing. And I'm not trying to push my books. I'm saying the titles say it all. Yeah. Yeah. This whole thing. It's a wonderful ride. Everything counts in this life. Everything counts down to the slightest detail. Everything counts. Well, the good news for you and me is what we know is that ultimately nothing matters. Yeah. And if you work that intellectually, you've got it wrong. You can't know until you do. You yeah. can't work this because you can't get this thing. That's the reason I said I don't understand anything. You can't understand this. It is something that is grok. The word grok is, yeah. it just means that you get something on a very core almost like cellular level and you don't know how you got it, but that's the way things are. And it's not, and there's never a Fred or a Michael that grocks it. It's a whiteness that comes to grok itself. Yeah. That's the beauty. I like the, um, 
the scripture, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. That's it. And so, so like, like, like having Eckhart on constantly, like if this, if this isn't making sense for you as a listener and you're hearing, I'm, what do you mean? I'm not real. It's me. I'm, I'm here. And if it's just, if it's not resonating, keep listening, keep hearing and let awakeness, let awakeness hear it. Nizagadatta said, you need no practices. You need not do anything other than to keep company with the sages. Mm. And keeping company with the sages is enough. Yeah. And I agree. But it is <clears throat> if you have a an, if you have an authentic sage, it's contagious. Yeah. Because who doesn't want to be free even though we're all free? Right. I mean, I think of this kind of freedom is is that I think of it as a as an airplane flying across the desert, and you look down, and you see a guy there in the desert, just one guy, all by himself, and he's holding a jail cell door. Just holding the door out there in the middle of nowhere. There are no walls or anything like that, and he's holding that door and he's screaming, "Let me out! Let me out!" But all he's got to do is just let go of the door. Yeah. It will fall away, and he will see there were never any walls there. Yeah. yeah. That's a much better example of a metaphor that I've used, which is that, uh, yeah, somebody trying to break out of a jail cell with the door open, but I like that better. There's not even a cell. You're just holding a door. I think that's fantastic. That's it. Yeah, there's not any, because there isn't, is there? No. No, there's no, there's, there, there is actually no liberation because there's no bondage. But you can't know that, you can't feel that, you can't live that until you can. You can't live that until you do. <clears throat> and we tell ourselves that, well, it's going to be a long, difficult journey for me. And guess what? You just told yourself the future. <laughs> it's going to be a long, difficult journey for you. <laughs> yeah. And when you're holding that door, everywhere you look, there's a cell wall. You turn this way, oh, still a cell wall. This way, locked door. This. If you're holding the door, right in front of you is that wall, wherever you go. Right. Just let it go. It's not, you're holding it. A witness has great respect for, for everything. It doesn't just hand this out to the special ones and hand itself out to the special ones. What you and I both know is that everybody listening to this broadcast is already awake. Mm -hmm. there's, there's no bondage. There's no, there's no freedom because there's no bondage. They're already awake, but what they don't understand is that the truth is, is that they're already awakeness. Yeah. Because there's, you're you're not a noun. You're a, you're much more of a verb. Yeah. yeah. Not, not an adjective to a noun. Awake is like describing something. Thing. But you're, yes, you're, you're, you are right. part of the being. That, it points awake. toward a body and says, "Oh, that Fred right. Davis, he's awake, and I'm not." But what's pointing is awakeness, and what it's pointing at is is conscious awakeness. What's yeah. pointing is unconscious awakeness. And what it's pointing to is conscious awakeness. That's the difference, is that there's only awakeness, but awakeness can experience itself via two different states. One is unconsciously, which is what my neighbors are doing, and they don't even want what I have. <laughs> yeah. Or consciously, which is what's going on over here, which is I simply know who and what I am, which changes, well, it doesn't change anything, but everything. 
Yeah. If you're the same, like whatever it is that's fretting and Michaeling is the same thing that's hurricaning. That's it. That's right. Right. There's no, there's no, we can't find a hurricane, the Bob at the center of a hurricane Bob. We can't find a Fred at the center of a Fred or the Michael. It's, it's whatever is doing all of this. You've gone all the way through your t- Tootsie Roll pop and there is no Tootsie Roll in the middle. Right. It's just vacant. And that can be, and it sounds, and it sounds very cold and all that. It's not, it's warm and it's loving. Yeah. And it is, and and you get so secure with the lack of security. Yeah. It's not that you finally get this, oh, I'm secure. It's just that I disappear and it's just seen that there's nothing permanent. So there's no such thing actually as security. And instead of reacting to that by going, oh my God, I'm so paranoid. You recognize, oh, wow. You mean, I don't have to get this right? <sighs> it's already right? Who would have guessed? Atlas gets to put the world down. He's been carrying it around over his shoulders. Oh, yeah. Thank you for inviting us to this moment over and over. Well, just here's something for everybody to, to think about, which is true, as you know. This is not living what we're where we're living is we're not living in the now. We are the now. Thank you. <laughs> That's a great place to end. <laughs> Thank you for this. This has been wonderful. It's great to see oh, you. Great to so talk to you. Um, yeah. And I, you, you're you're already doing great, but I wish you the the, the continued uh, success in everything that you do. And uh, and I love you very much. Thank you. Same to you. Love you too.